one. And so we, we feel like God is doing some great things here. Last week was Vision Sunday, and if you weren't with us, I would encourage you, watch the YouTube uh, video, like go on, fill out your vision list. Right at the end of service, when we stand, you stand, you release your faith, and you believe God with us, because we are completely believing God that he's going to do some amazing, amazing things this year and in the years to come. And so write that vision list down, and then as he begins to do those things, tell us about them. We've got a link. It's just, it's simply stories at yourplacechurch.com. Tell us your story. We want to celebrate with you. And what happens is, is when you tell your story and then we're able to share it with everybody else, it builds faith in people that if God did it for for you, then he'll do it for them. Amen, everyone. So we're super excited about that. Um, Today is part five of our I Will Fight series. Now, this is kind of our, it's not just a series, like this is our mantra for the year. And part five is today, and remember, remember when I used to just do like four-part message series? It's like first week, second week, third week, fourth week. That's, man, I feel like the Lord just keeps us on message series for right now because he's trying to do something on the inside of every one of us. And today's message was inspired, well, it was inspired by the Lord, but really he used a quote by the, man of, by the name of Dallas Willard, who said this. He said, the general human failing, not feeling, failing, is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. He says, we intend what is right, but we avoid the life that will make it a reality. When I came across that that quote, I was like, that, that, It makes sense. I mean, I want to be fit, right? I want to feel good. But in the past, I have lacked the commitment to actually eat right, to actually exercise, to make the lifestyle change. But yet, for some reason, during the Daniel fast, which for those of you who may be new with us today, we just came off of 21 days of fasting and prayer. And during the the Daniel fast, or during the 21 days of prayer, we actually do the Daniel fast, which, which means no meat, sweets, dairy, bread, nothing. We just eat fruits and vegetables. And can I tell you something? After 21 days of nothing but fruits and vegetables, you begin to feel good. Like I was, I was getting up before my alarm would go off. I'd have my alarm set for 5 a.m. because prayer started at 6. And I would get up and turn my alarm off before, before it went off, and I felt good. Like I would last the whole day. I wasn't just droggy all the time. Maybe, maybe when my body was detoxing caffeine, uh, I, I, had a, I had a headache, and I felt like doing nothing but sleeping. But after I got that out of me, um, I just felt good. I felt like my skin was looking good. My body was completely fasted down to its purest form, especially Tyra and I made the decision. We did two water fasts this year, three-day water fasts, and then we, had a, we threw a juice day in there. And after all of that, I mean, I'm on, I'm on hole number three on my belt right now. 
Amen, everyone. Hole number three. Been on hole number two for an eternity, but now I'm on hole number three, right? Um, But more important than that, I am so close to my heavenly Father right now. Like I hear him breathing. Does God breathe? Apparently, because I hear him. I hear him breathing. Well, what does it take to stay this way? We, we get this. We understand this. We all want healthy relationships with our spouses, our kids, our friends. But when we're tired or when we're overworked or when money is tight or we don't feel good, our tempers become short, our attitudes become sour, and our willingness to work on those relationships just drain. They just drain away. We understand this because we love our church, right? We recognize what God's doing here. We're seeing the life change. All the people who are saying yes to a relationship with Jesus right now. All the people that we have the privilege of helping in our resource center. Like it's happening, guys. It really is. We hear about all the life change that's happened in youth ministry. And in, in kids ministry. We got kids coming home and correcting us because of something we said or we did, and they're like, that's not what Jesus would do, right? And the reason why is because they're learning about the character and nature of God in kids' ministry. We see and we hear about first service being packed in this place, and we're, we're excited to be a part of that church. And deep down on the inside of us, we're like, well, maybe we should help. Maybe we should be a part of this thing. We understand that, but that's gonna, it's going to involve change. It's going to involve commitment. It's going to involve saying yes to something. We get it when it comes to life groups. We hear about all of these lifelong relationships that were formed during a life group that they're still doing life together. But we look at ourselves and we're like, but I'm kind of quiet. We just assume all the life groups are people who are old college buddies that they've just been doing life the whole time. That's not it at all. They all were like you were, and one day they showed up at Rendezvous, they signed up, or they got on the website, they said, listen, that one fits my my schedule, something I'm interested in, and they just showed up one day, and now they're in these completely fulfilling, lifelong, growing relationships. It makes sense. So why do so many of us, if we know what to do, just don't do it? We, we just don't do it. Have you ever thought, I want to change, but I can't seem to make myself change? Enter our theme of the year. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight for it. What does that mean? We're going to fight our flesh. We're going to fight our flesh. We're going to fight temptation. We're going to fight laziness. We're going to fight probably a little bit of self-consciousness, right? We're going to fight the enemy of a fallen world. We're going to fight our thoughts. And we're going to talk a little bit about this today, and I'm going to give you some tools that I believe will help you. But more than anything, I want the Holy Spirit to minister to you. I'll share several different things, and out of one of them, it's going to be like a a, a string on a guitar. There's six strings, but one of them, boom, is going to resonate with you. Amen, everyone? And when that happens, I want you to make a note of it. Father, we love you. And Father, before we get into your word today, we're just asking for the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us today. Lord, I know I've got lots of notes on a screen here, but Father, more importantly than what I have written down, it's what you're saying to us. And so Father, I pray that you would use me, use my words today. 
but speak to us, Father. Not in a way that's just we just agree with, but Father, in a way that causes us to take a step towards you and towards the life that you see all of us living. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm the type of person who doesn't like to start a project unless I can see the finish line. And I probably got this way as a kid because as a kid, I never really, I never finished cleaning my room. I never finished my homework, right? My parents would ask me, is your homework done? Yeah, this page, this page was done. But I was supposed to do this page, this page, and this page. And my mom's going, what? Right now, here we are, all these years later. And she's like, what? No, yeah, I just, I just didn't finish my homework. I, I would start projects and I would never finish them. We had, we had a shop class where uh, our shop teacher brought out little, little leather keychains. And we got to, you know, use the little knife and write our initials on them. And then, you know, use the little punch and make them look really cool. And then we tanned them up and then we let them dry. And I was like, I like this. I think I could do this. And so we went and bought a, a deluxe leather kit, right? I'm going to make a cool belt. I'm going to get me a big belt buckle, and I'm going to do the leather belt buckle, and I'm going, to, I'm going to put my name on the back, you know, like all the cowboys. They put all their names on the back of their belt buckle, or the back of their belt, and I thought it was going to be super cool. Well, it was a far cry different than that little keychain. And I, I just never, I never finished it. We used to go to car shows, and we'd walk into car shows, and you'd see all the guys, there'd be booths set up at the car shows, and there'd be guys with these little airbrush, right, and they'd have t-shirts out, and they'd be painting, you know, super cool cars with big fat tires, caricatures, right, and then they'd put you hanging out the window with your tongue hanging out, right, and it was just so cool, and I'm like, I think I could do that, and so I, and I'm young, I don't have any money, I conned my parents into buying me an airbrush, And so I started airbrushing. But you know what? I wasn't as good as they were. And so I quit because I'm like, that doesn't look like what they did. And I just stuck the airbrush on the shelf. And as I got older, I I started seeing there's a habit forming. I start projects and I don't finish them. It's so bad that to this day, if I can't see a finish line, like you can ask Tyra, if I can't finish a project in a weekend, I just don't do it anymore. I just don't do it anymore because I, I just, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to have a project glaring at me. And last November was her birthday. And I said, she was like, I really want a greenhouse. And I'm like, okay, well, if I got the, if I, I think I could get it done in a weekend, right? And so I started building this greenhouse. Uh, Taylor had flipped a couple of houses and he's got all these windows. And so I went and got all these windows. I'm going to build this really cool old window greenhouse, right? And I started on that. Then it got super cold outside. Every day, friends, I pull into my driveway and that greenhouse is mocking me. Half done. (laughs) Half done. It's a life sentence, right? You'll You'll never finish it. And here's the bad part. I actually have all the materials to finish it. I just have to, it's just got to get warm enough to actually do it. It's, for me... I know what it is. It's the thrill of a project getting done. And don't get me wrong, I've completed some projects. I mean, we've completely renovated houses. We've bought and sold cars. It's fun. But there's nothing like the satisfaction of a goal completed, a finish line crossed. I'm a box checker. Check. I'm a project completer. 
I'm a job well done-er. <laughs> and if I can see a finish line, I'll do it. But if I can't see a finish line, my personality is less likely to agree to it. Well, when I received Christ, everything I thought was check in that moment. I, I got saved. I said yes to Jesus, only to find out that salvation was door number one of a whole life of change. And what we found out is growing with God is not a project, it's a process. Growing in your faith, growing in your relationship with your heavenly Father is not a project, it's a process. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, check, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So what he's saying there is like every day there's going to be a growing process. Continue to live your life in him and be thankful about it. And be thankful. Growing in God is not a project, it's a process. I read a, a quote from my buddy Witt the other day. He, he uh, recently made a decision to change his life, and brother has lost like over 100 pounds, right? And he, he wrote on his, on his Facebook, he said, discipline is more important than motivation. Ooh. Discipline is more important than motivation, meaning this, the ability to start and keep going is more important than the feeling or the motivation to keep going. And as humans, we like projects, but we don't like process. I know for me, starting Your Place Church, I almost miss God. There was, a, there was a church in Oklahoma City who had multiple campuses, and they loved me, and I loved them, and Initially, I said, yes, I'm going to go be a campus pastor for them because the process of starting a church seemed so daunting. I mean, we got to find a place. We got to meet a bunch of people that we don't know. I got to raise money from people I don't know, right? I've got to create a vision. To me, it would have been just easier to just go to a church that has already blazed a trail. They've already done all of those things. They'll just start paying me a salary, and I'll take over their next campus. But as I sit here, and I look at all of you, and I know your stories, and I've seen your families, I've seen what God's done in your lives, I'm so thankful that God arrested my heart all the way back then and said, lean into this process. Lean into this process. And now I look at this service. I mean, this service is packed. Like every single week, we're having to put out chairs. Some weeks, we're having to park the perimeter. And on rainy days like today, when we're parking the perimeter, We've got tow trucks on standby, and by tow trucks, we've got guys with four-wheel drives and hooks, right? They're like, oh, this is going to be a good weekend at church. We're going to pull, go, go drive around the campus and look at all the tire tracks, all right? That's where we pulled people out of the mud, and we're realizing that we're at a place. 
Because there was a day back before this auditorium was this big and this building was this big, we were in four services on the weekend. Four services on the weekend. But then we went to three services, and, and because of the renovation two years ago, we went to just two services. But if I'm going to be honest, we're looking at potentially going to a third service again because of the growth of your place church. And you're in. Amen. And you're like, well, that doesn't affect us. Well, <laughs> about that. <laughs> I need about 60 of you to consider going to second service. And you're like, uh-oh, this is my service. I understand that. I understand that. But I need 60 of you to consider going to our second service. And here's why. It appears that first service is our most likely to attend service. And so people who are new to your place church, and come on friends, right now there's lots of folks that are new to your place church. The people in first service are like, you should come to church with me. Awesome. Keep doing that, by the way. Keep doing that. And so what happens is, is they come in and then all of a sudden this place is full did you know we had people leave during our Christmas service? They drove in, they drove through the parking lot, there was not a place to park, they assumed there was not a place to sit, so they just pulled out and just kept on going. We don't want that to be the case. And so if first service is our most likely to attend service, and here's what we know about Oklahoma, right? In Botswana, okay, a 15-passenger van holds about 30 people. In Botswana, a 15-passenger van holds about 30. If you use the roof, you know, you could probably get 45 people in that thing. In America, a 15-passenger van holds about eight because we like comfort. We like some space. And so if people walk into a room and it's full, they're like, this church is too big for me, and they leave. When really, we have a second service that it's about 50% full. So I need about 60 of you to go to lunch today and have a conversation with your family and consider moving to second service and, and make it a permanent thing. And for the ones of you who are going to stay at this service, we now are going to have 60 more chairs available. I need you to go back and bring your friends and bring them here because God is moving at your place church. Amen, everyone? He is moving at your place, church. Now, I hesitate to make requests like this because in the past, when I've said that, I've had 60 people say, well, then I just won't show up. Well, that's not going to work either, all right? Because God has done so much in you. You're, you're finding out who you are in Christ. You're learning about faith. You're hearing the voice of God. Go do the homework on your own. When did all of this life change start happening? When you started making worship a regular part of your life. When you started making coming to church a regular part of your life. When you get away from this environment, and I'm not just saying it's this one, it's every church. It's any church that's a life-giving, holy ghost, mm, faith-filled church. You get away from that experience, you begin to fade. So you don't want that to happen. I got one more thing. You ready? Pastor's on a roll today. I need about 10 of you to pray about joining our kids' ministry teams. And people are like, kids? What? I don't think so. Listen, 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 Linda. All right, you guys, you guys are, you, you guys, you, you get it. 
You think kids are like, ah! Man, they are some of the most impressionable blank canvases you've ever seen. And some of you are really good with kids. And you're like, kids just flock to you. You don't even know why. Right now, there's people in your row that you know that's the case. Go ahead and just point to them so they know who I'm talking to. That's you. Okay, he's talking to you. So I need you to pray about, okay, I need you to not pray about it. I just need you to go after service and have a conversation with Mia, okay? And find out how you can get on the kids' ministry teams because what we're also looking at is we're gonna have to add more kids' ministry spaces because of all the people who have kids. They have kids. And here's the thing. The kids are the one waking them up for church on Sunday morning. Can we give it up for our kids' ministry? They're doing a great job. They're doing a great job. They really are. So we're we're potentially going to three services. Not yet, because I think if we can move about 60 of you over. And here's the thing. It won't do us a darn bit of good to, to go to three services if this service is still full. So that's why we need people to move. Amen. Amen. Moving right along. We don't like process, but we like the results. We don't like process. And I can tell you, after 21 grueling days of fasting, I love that I feel better. I love that I've got energy. I love that I feel closer to God. I love that I just wake up early and I'm not even tired throughout the day. I don't like the process, but I sure love the results. For those of us, we get this, married couples. Listen, if you want to prefer, you want to prefer one another. You know that's what's supposed to happen. And you want this relationship. And guys, let me talk to you for just a second. You've heard me say, come on, just just do the dishes. And some of you, you tried that once. You did the dishes once. Because she didn't want to make love to you on the kitchen counter, you quit doing the dishes, right? You're like, no, I tried that, bro. It didn't work. Well, you spent an entire life of, uh, you know, vocal abuse or selfishness or whatever. And just because you tried that once, it didn't produce the results you were wanting. Come on, it's a process, not a project. We understand this in giving. I mean, we gave in the offering once or twice in a row, and we just assumed that my financial crisis would be over that same week. I mean, it took us a lifetime of acquiring debt and creating poor spending habits, and we give once and nothing changed. I'm out. No. Life is a process, not a project. We get these notions, somehow or another, that if I do something right especially if it's a struggle for me, you know, really demanding, that God is going to see it and that's somehow going to change everything overnight. Well, he does see it, but it's not the struggle, it's the faith. It's the mind shift. It's the focus. And we just assume that everything in life can be a project to be completed. And we have unrealistic expectations and ideas of even what salvation is. Let's just, let's just, I mean, we're in church. Let's just talk about this. Did you know that salvation is more of a process than a project? It's not just a one-time event that takes place. 
We make a decision to accept Christ in our hearts, but there is a process of saving our minds. The Bible calls it renewing our mind, and that takes some time. Yes, it's true that once you receive Christ, you're completely saved. You can't get any more saved than you are right now. But there is a process, just like just like when God used Moses to, to free the, the, the Hebrew children out of slavery. They were out of Egypt, but it took a while to get Egypt out of them. Out of 400 years of slavery, there was mindsets and there was tendencies and there were personalities and there was wounds there. That yes, they were free from slavery. They were free from Egypt. But it took Moses and God a little while to get Egypt out of them. And this is why Ephesians chapter 2 says this. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Is that future tense or past tense? Have been It's past tense. You have been saved. The finished work of Jesus provided an opportunity for you to be set free. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 says, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Present tense. Day by day, we're being renewed. In other words, little by little, we're changing. We're renewing our thoughts, our minds every single day. I mean, we understand this. I was on, I was on social media the other day, and I, I came across our old high school quarterback's picture. He don't look like that no more. <laughs> he does not look like he did when we were in high school. But yeah, the same is true for me. This is, this is me in high school. Right? Go ahead and put that up there. It's me in high school. What a looker, right? Right? Here's Tyra in high school, right? Uh, and then here's us now. <laughs> she didn't change, but I did, all right? And here's the thing. I've been looking at my mug in the mirror every single day since high school. And I don't notice change. But then you look at a picture of me from high school and then a picture of me now, obviously there's been some change. Okay, everyone? And that's the key. If those guys from high school saw me today, they would be like, oh man, he don't look like that anymore. Now, some might say I look better. <laughs> Amen. Some of us, we're heavier than we used to be. We're losing hair where we don't want it and we're gaining it where we don't need it. <laughs> right? I went to, got my hair cut last week, and I mean, she started looking at my ears and started pulling hairs out and reached down and grabbed her weed eater. And I was like, you know, I was like, wait, that's new, right? What kind of a sick joke is this? The Bible says we're being renewed day by day, present tense. We're being saved, present tense. But we have to lean into it, fight the temptation to quit, fight the temptation to just get lazy, fight the temptation, I'll just go next week, fight the temptation, I'll just start back tomorrow, because that leads to, well, I'll just start back 
tomorrow, which leads to I'll just, well, next thing you know, we stop saying I just. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power, look here, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've been saved, we're being saved, and we'll be saved someday? Yes. It's because salvation has a beginning, but it didn't end at all. Like, it's constantly happening. We're living in the very idea of process. Paul talks about it in his writings. As long as you're in this body, there's something in that body that's ugly you're going to have to be fixing. Why? Why is that? Because of the way I was raised, because of my life experiences, because of what people told me, because of lies that I've believed about myself, that the more you're in this process, the more the Holy Spirit shines a light on them, and you're like, oh, I never noticed that before. That's why you're sitting in life groups and some of you are in freedom classes and all of a sudden we read that chapter and you're like, oh my gosh, that explains so much. How many have had that experience? Yeah, all of us. Oh my gosh, that explains so much. And then all of a sudden you are free. Yeah. Amen, everyone? Amen. We have the power to change, but we still have to change it. Does this make sense? What happens is this, we want things to be like a project, and once we achieve them, it's over. We want to exercise and eat right, but then we want to go back to the way it was. And when things don't happen the way we want them to, it's like we're crushed and we quit. It's a misguided way of thinking. And then culture doesn't help, by the way. Culture likes to tell you, you just need to be comfortable with who you are. Just be comfortable with who you are. Love the skin you're in, right? Like, and I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm all for not body shaming anybody. I'm not talking about the body. I'm talking about the spirit. You can love who you are unless God sees you being someone or something else. Growing, becoming, flourishing, changing. But we're going to have to fight to do that. And we fail to realize that all of life is a process, not a project. This fight takes commitment. The fight takes commitment. And it's a decision that once you make it, you just follow through on that decision every day. I'm deciding today I'm going to start a Bible plan. Tomorrow, wake up, start the Bible plan. The next day, do day two of the Bible plan. The next day, whether you stayed up late or not, whether you're late for work or not, are you saying I should be late for work to read my Bible? Some of you. <laughs> but you could read it on your lunch break. You could have it read to you on the way to work. 
just commit and do it. Amen. The phrase, I committed my life to Christ, means I've made a decision and there are certain things I'm just not going to do anymore because there's other things that I am doing. And I realize that I've come so far, but I've still got so far to go. Success in anything is born out of commitment. But here's the thing. God does not call us to success. He calls us to faithfulness. God does not call us to success. He calls us to faithfulness. In fact, you can go through Scripture and see how many times the Bible points to it. Matthew chapter 25, 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 starts talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness. God sees faithfulness. And faithfulness has little to do with how I feel. It has little to do with how motivated I am. It's a resolve. It's a line in the sand. I choose to be faithful. Well, the question that we have to wrestle with today isn't, am I committed to this? It's, am I faithful? Am I going to be faithful to my spouse? Am I going to be faithful to my kids? Am I going to be faithful in my life decisions? Am I going to be faithful in my relationship with Jesus Christ? Faithful to what's important to Him, not us. Faithful faithful to what's important to Him, His church. His design in your life. Are you going to be faithful to the calling He has given you? God's measuring faithfulness, not success. Because here's what we know. Faithfulness produces commitment, which produces success. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. It's process. It's process. And we'll always work on these things. One more scripture, and I'll let you go. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. Why? Because we're becoming. We're becoming. It's a process. But what we know, that when Christ appears, we shall be like 
him. How do you know you're there? If you look like him and act like him. And last time I checked, we all got some room to go, including Pastor Darian. We're all involved in process. Verse 3 says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. It's process. I've been saved, I'm being saved, and I'm going to be saved. So here's my question. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What cord was, was plucked in all of that? Write it down. Write it down. And then make a decision today to be faithful. To step into the process. Because the only time we get to check that box completed is when we stand before him. But did you know we're still going to be learning in heaven? We're still going to be growing in heaven? Come on. Amen. Father, we love you. We worship you. And Father, we make the commitment today to be faithful. To be faithful in what you've called us to do. Father, to allow the process of your love and your work to happen in our hearts. And Lord, we know for some of us it's a fight. It's a fight because we would rather at times do other things. When it comes to our relationships, when it comes to being part of a life group, when it comes to serving or even just moving out of our spot on Sunday morning to go to a different service. Lord, we want to do what we want to do. But in all of life, Father, we see this stretching, this process of change, of becoming. And more than what we want for what we want, Father, we want what you want, what you see for all of us. And we thank you for being such a good, good God. You know, with heads bowed and eyes closed, some of you in the room, that first step of changing is recognizing that you're not saved. Or maybe you once had a relationship with Jesus, but you've walked away from him because the process became a little too much. And the process has already been done of salvation. Jesus Christ paid the price for you. And it's true that if you have a relationship with Jesus and you, heaven forbid, died right now, you would go to heaven. But you would not be everything that God sees you being and doing on this earth we live in. So if you're in the room, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And you say, Pastor Darian, I've never accepted Jesus Christ in my life. I've never, I've never been saved. Or I once was saved, but I walked away from him. And today I want to rededicate my life to him. Just put your hand up and put it right back down so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. Right here. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I see your hands. Anybody else like that before we change the direction of this service? I'm just going to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you leave the room. Just going to pray with you. Anybody else like that? Okay. Well, the Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. So we're going to pray this prayer. And I want everybody in the room to pray it because we remember when this was us one day. So say this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to rise again 
so I can be saved. And Jesus, right now, I invite you to come into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my past. I'm choosing today to spend the rest of my life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give them a hand.